1: The Chaser Report is recorded on Gadigal land.
0: Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report.
1: Hello and welcome to The Chaser Report. And today we have a very special guest, uh, the Executive Director of the Australia Institute, Richard Dennis... Now you've been going all around the, the the media landscape all day talking about your big report. What's it all about?
0: Oh, look, it's quite simple. We we hear a lot about how if we grow the economy, if we grow the pie, if the economy gets bigger, we'll all benefit from it. Uh, mm. And what the report we've put out today shows is that in the ten years to 2019, in the decade leading up to 2019, 93 percent of the benefits of economic growth, 93% Hmm. of the increase in national income went to the top 10% of income earners and the bottom 90%, the bottom 90% (laughs) got 7% between.
1: Right. That is... That is qu- – and how does that compare to the rest of the world? Well, like- we're,
0: we're leading the world at being unfair. Um, so Really? Yeah. So at, well, yeah. Th- for that decade what we did was we used a big international data set put together uh, by a group of economists including uh, the famous economist Thomas Piketty uh, ah who, yes, but the, that,
1: he wrote that huge book on inequality, and everyone only read the first chapter. Exactly, the, that's that the one—the yeah, yeah,
0: the, yeah. thousand-page yeah. book with a great yeah. intro. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so he's kind of pulled together a whole bunch of data, raw data, and and mm. we've analysed it, sort of broken it up in terms of income and time. And yeah, mm. what it shows is that Australia really leads the world in being unfair in that in that decade, where mm. where the top ten percent got ninety three percent of the of all the increase in national income. Uh, yeah, that's that's way off the charts compared to other other countries. And so,
1: so what's going on? Is it is it because we didn't. Bring in a mining tax?
0: Is that, is <laughs> uh, that what happened? Or? Yeah, that's a part of it. I mean, uh, sort of go back to the things that everybody knows. We, we know mm. that the minimum wage hasn't kept pace with CEO pay. We know that mm. unemployment benefits hasn't kept pace with, even with average incomes. Uh, mm. We know that uh, we know that during COVID we, we chased people for robo-debt uh, and we let big business hang on to any job keeper that they got overpaid. We, mm. we kind of know how all these individual decisions have been made. What this data does is sort of look at it top down, look at the big picture and say, all right, what, what, not what happened to a low-paid worker, what happened across Australia? So mm. that increase in inequality we see isn't some sort of random act of, of the markets. It's the sum of all these little decisions we made, the decision yeah. not to boost the minimum wage, the decision to not pay teachers and nurses a lot more, the decision uh, to not have a mining tax. Because mm. the one thing we know about that 10 years is everyone said, oh, the mining boom's great, the benefits will trickle down. Well, you know, if if you were getting two hundred grand to work in the mines, or if you happen to own a mine like Gina Reinhart, sure a mining boom's a great thing to have. Mm. But for the ninety nine percent of Australians that don't work in coal mining, uh, that that boom did kind of very little for them. So mm. yeah, unfortunately how did it happen? Uh, it happened because of the choices we made. So
1: isn't there a simple solution though, Richard, which is like don't people have themselves to blame for not owning a coal mine or a, <laughs> an iron ore mine, or you know, like, it, shouldn't they just go out and become a CEO? Like, if if CEO pay is better than minimum wage pay, why don't they? Shouldn't they just? Why don't they just get a job as a CEO rather than a cleaner? Look, it's
0: a good question, and you know, of course, Joe Hockey once said that the 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 way to make housing more affordable was to get a better job. So. Uh, yeah, look. Unfortunately, <laughs> we do like to blame the victim in Australia, uh, mm. but individuals don't set the minimum wage. Individuals didn't create the gig economy. Uh, individuals didn't uh, didn't didn't deliver big tax cuts for high income earners. So yes, of course, individuals have always got a role to play uh, in their own livelihood. Like, of course, they do. But mm. what this data shows is that in other countries economic growth, the benefits of economic growth have been spread a lot more fairly than Australia. So it right. seems like poor people in Norway, Denmark, Sweden, Finland, Germany, France, somehow mm. they're better at getting a fair share out of GDP than than low-income earners in Australia. And I hate to say it, I think it's because... Uh, our obsession in Australia with things like the mining industry, our obsession in Australia with things like tax cuts have really not just harmed low income earners, but remember this is, we're taking that the, the bottom 90%, <laughs> so nearly all of us, nine in 10 Australians mm. have missed out. Teachers, nurses, police, ambulance drivers, they've missed out on the gains of economic growth as well, because rather than have a tax on the mining industry rather than have a carbon tax and then spend that money on, on the people who deliver great public services, unfortunately, mm. you know, even people in the middle have missed out a lot in Australia. What
1: about the people who deliver sort of mediocre public services? Like, <laughs> like you know, I'm thinking like the trains in, in Sydney, terrible. Do you think maybe we can sort of carve out a bit of it? Like you, do your solution, make it all a bit equal? But you're, like, not for people who are a bit grumpy as bus drivers? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just sort of yeah. still look, keep a little bit of inequality in the system?
0: Look, I mean, the reality is there's there's grumpy people everywhere. There's some grumpy mm. people drive buses. There's some grumpy waiters. Uh, and, mm. and And there's some grumpy bankers out there. Um, I think what we need to do is create a society where there's enough job opportunities going around that that people don't have to do jobs they hate, uh, (laughs) that you don't have to be in the service Ah, sector. You're a communist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I'm an economist. We reckon that high unemployment's a terrible waste of human capital. We think unemployment's Mm. terrible for the economy. Uh, It's just in Australia, we've kind of been trained to believe that, you know, having half a million unemployed people is a good way to keep inflation down. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, look, there's some grumpy public servants out there. There's some grumpy private servants out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, and I'm sure that's true in other countries as well. But um, maybe one of the reasons people are grumpy is Australia's become such an unequal society.
1: Okay, so I'm going to pitch you a few solutions because I, you know, I can hear you know you're complaining a lot. <laughs> you got all the sort of problems, but I haven't heard any solutions yet beyond tax the rich or whatever. So I'm thinking – I'll just pitch to you a few ideas and I don't know whether the Australia Institute can sort of run some sort of research program based on these ideas, but I'll just pitch them to you and see what you think. First one is what if we just ate – the rich, like you see, there's ten percent. What's that? Everyone on over 120 grand, or something? Is that. Yeah, the top about 10%? about 120
0: grand to get you into
1: that yeah. category. So I reckon. I mean, they they would be the tastiest. They're the best looking. They always have the good maker. They're the sort of people who live in the eastern suburbs. They they would present well on a dish. You just eat them.
0: Yeah, well, you know, not not really a cannibal myself. Mm. Uh, and 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 of course, you know, we probably should all make sure we eat a more balanced <laughs> no, diet. But, um, it's, the,
1: it's the ultimate democracy sausage. We're doing this for democracy, Richard. It's not <laughs> about cannibalism. This is about just evening things up. Yeah, the the,
0: the, the democracy <laughs> sausage and the inequality <laughs> sausage all yeah. wrapped into one. Yeah, I like yeah.
1: it. You know, in an inequality – anyway, yeah, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Anyway, put that into the Australian Institute. Maybe somebody else Yeah, saw we'll get back to you on that and, one. Yeah. Um, the other one is – and I pitched this the other uh, day, I think, to um, – Max Chandler Mather, that Greens MP, a bit of a communist uh, as well. Um, and he – and we were talking about how the Labor Party – what we were specifically talking about is how everyone seems to still want to build fossil fuel mines, you know, especially in Queensland and stuff like that. But I think it would be applicable. This idea would also work for inequality, right, which is what we do – is we give rich people VR headsets, like AR heads, you know those Apple. Apple's about to release a yep. sort of thing where it's sort of virtual reality. But what you do is you tell them you create this reality for the rich people that makes them feel like they're still not paying tax and they like they're in the reality where it's all like completely unequal and everyone's grumpy because they're being underpaid and stuff like that. Whereas in reality we then start taxing everyone properly and fixing up all our social services, paying teachers and nurses properly and everything like that. But they don't realise because they've got these VR headsets on. And it's really realistic. I like so it's like beer goggles for rich people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> the thing is, all the dystopia if you watch Netflix, every second show is about the opposite idea that all the you know, dregs of the population, get put into, you know, Matrix-style dystopian hillscape where they're all in VR headsets, right? But I, I reckon we just do it on the ridge, yeah. on the top end of town. Yeah,
0: and, and then, of course, we can all just kind of whisper and chuckle as they walk past. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and and it'll look
1: like we're their butler or something like that, but actually we're just uh, laughing at them. I like <laughs> it.
0: I like it more than okay. eating them. Okay, yep. good.
1: Well, then definitely put that in your mind. on the list, to yep. Yeah, okay, great. The Chaser Report, now with extra whispers. And this one's a bit weird. So this one's a bit of a curveball. I'm not sure whether anyone will want to research this, but hear me out. What if we didn't bring in the Stage 3 tax cuts, which are due next year, which will see most of the benefits of the tax breaks going to the top 10% of income earners?
0: Oh, that's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. Yeah. I, I mean imagine yeah, I mean, why yeah. I, I mean, imagine if a newly elected Labour government decided mm. that enormous tax cuts invented by Scott Morrison 5 years ago were a bad idea. Yes, I mean god yes. this, it th- would never happen. No, that's 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 just that's just too far It's more right.
1: realistically to I thought, eat I thought this
0: was a legitimate podcast, yeah. not some sort of <laughs> alternate dystopian yeah. universe fantasy show. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, look, you're spot on. Uh, we're about to spend a quarter of a trillion dollars, a quarter of a trillion dollars on tax cuts that will deliver n- nearly $10,000 a year to people earning 200 grand. So <laughs> $10,000 a year and literally not a cent to someone working on minimum wage at 40000 45000 bucks Not a cent. And, and these tax cuts were invented by Scott Morrison. They were invented mm. before COVID. They were invented before inflation went through the roof and, and real wages fell. Like these tax cuts were a dumb idea back when Scott Morrison was, was treasurer, was even before he yes. was prime minister. And here we are implementing them in Australia in an environment where, you know, post-COVID uh, we've got falling real wages, we've got soaring cost of living pressures, and, you know, we're, we're, we're that committed to a Scott Morrison policy – that yeah, it's it's become crazy talk and heresy to just say, well, what if we ditched that?
1: I love how you're trying to taint them with the word Scott Morrison. You, <laughs> you know, you know that it's political death to call anything Scott Morrison, so you're trying to link them.
0: <laughs> no, no. Now I'm going to use reverse psychology on you and say <laughs> that even though they're Scott Morrison's idea, <laughs> we're we're apparently wedded to them. So yeah.
1: what? So what is this? So so we've got this theory going on, um, which actually Max. Talked about last week as well, which is the idea is that the Labor Party, because I don't know, like I last time Labor was elected, except for that Rudd-Gillard sort of lot, like like I grew up a starry-eyed Hawke and Keatingite type thing where you sort of had this idea that Labor would be a government of reform. But it seems like the Labor Party have just turned into a government where their job, they feel that like their job is to lower expectations and say, "No, we can't do that. We can't do this. We can't do that." Oh, we can, we can approve 116 gas mines, but that's basically the only thing that we can deliver during this first term of government.
0: Yeah, look, I think that I mean the the, the most optimistic gloss to put on it is that Labor took a pretty reformist agenda to the 2019 election, and they lost. They only just lost. They only just lost, but they lost. And Mm. just as generals are often accused of kind of always fighting the last war, I I think that politicians often end up fighting the last election. And Mm. whereas in 2019, Labor took an ambitious tax and spending agenda to the electorate. After they lost that election, uh, for a whole bunch of reasons, I think they lost it. But Mm. they went to the 22 election kind of promising not to do any of the good ideas they'd previously had. Not because they'd lost faith in them as ideas, but because they were kind of scared of losing another unlosable election. So we're kind of now in this sort of dead space where Labor was elected, the Liberals were decimated. There's this huge community expectation saying, okay, after 10 years of uh, of a coalition government pushing us hard in the wrong direction, let's really get cracking in the right direction. Unfortunately, Labor are kind of welded to this idea of, no, we promised we wouldn't do anything. We won the election. So here we are <laughs> not doing much. Now, you know, of course, they've done some things, but boy, the yeah. world has changed since the last election. The economy has changed radically, the stage mm. three tax cuts were a dumb idea at the time, but they are a complete batshit crazy idea in okay. this environment.
1: Well, with that inspiring thought. So <laughs> what should we do Just get to the barricades? Is that the idea?
0: Uh, it- look, I, I think that as, as citizens we have to make it clear to our elected members of parliament that that while we appreciate them keeping their promises, that we're okay with them changing their uh, changing their mind when the circumstances change. Mm. I mean, if I promised that I'd take you uh, to, uh, let, I promised to take you out for dinner. I, we'd been looking forward to oh, it.
1: Richard, that's nice. Well, you, you never invite you me that.
0: out, so I thought <laughs> I'd do it. You know, live on yeah. the podcast. So <laughs> if I promise to take you out for a nice dinner, and then I don't know, I get COVID. It's okay mm. for me to ring you and say I meant it. I meant it when I said it. I was sincere. I really wanted to do it. But the circumstances have changed, so let's adjust. Adults know that even when a promise is important, it can still be broken when the times require it to be broken. So I I respect the fact that the Prime Minister is saying, look, I don't want to be like that last mob. I don't want to promise one thing and do another all the time. That's how people lose faith in democracy. That's right. Right. But I mm. can't see a problem with the government saying to the public, look, it's you we promised these tax cuts to, but what do you mm. reckon? Since we've had all these other things, since we've had inflation, since we had the stupid AUKUS decision, you know, now we're in this pickle. Do you want us to stick to this tax cut, which would give high-income earners 10 grand, or do you want us to invest in, uh, in health and education in mm. in 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 protecting the environment and boosting the incomes of the low-paid amongst us, I think it's okay to ask for permission to to, to change your plans. Uh, mm. But you know, there's there's some risky politics there, and at the moment, there's there's not a lot of suggestion they want to take that risk.
1: Okay, so let's hope that they change their mind on the stage three tax cards. But if they don't, Albo. Would probably be a great beneficiary of, of that because he, he's on over 200 grand. Oh, absolutely. Right? He'd be on like 300, 350, right? Yes. He probably gets like 15, 20 grand out of these stage three tax cuts. So, what I'm thinking is if, if they still keep them going. We just borrow the money off Albert. We just <laughs> go up to him and say, "Well, hey, you've got a few extra bucks. Can I borrow the money?"
0: Yeah. Look, e- every member of Parliament will get about ten thousand bucks. It kind of caps out at ten grand, whether you whether oh, you're right, Gina right, right. Reinhart or or a backbencher. Uh, yeah.
1: Oh well, you wanted you wanted things to be equal amongst <laughs> the incredibly rich.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, we've been very fair to the rich. We've treated all the rich fairly. Yeah. But to so g- wait a minute. Does Jerry Harvey? Does Jerry Harvey get? Yep. Ten grand. Yep, Gina Reinhardt gets ten grand, um, and and <laughs> someone working literally uh, on forty grand a year won't yeah. get a cent. Again, well, but b- he was a bit
1: grumpy. <laughs>
0: he's, he's a bit grumpy. He doesn't deserve it. You talk about the bus driver again. Yes, <laughs> far too grumpy. Well, I reckon there's some grumpy billionaires out there too. They can they can live without <laughs> the ten grand.
1: Richard Dennis, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really do hope that you do the modelling on. Um, on that
0: idea on the democracy and on the
1: democracy sausage on the wealthy yeah.
0: sausage coming up yeah
1: on the wealthy so- eating the rich but also no I think the idea of the VR heads here I think it's got legs I think you know
0: yeah it's got legs it's got and arms
1: Richard Dennis thank you very much our gear is from Road. we're part of the Class Network catch you tomorrow imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time